Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. Here's the problem with the committee, and we've said this many times. Committee's full of a bunch of smart people. The television show is the dumbest creation this playoff setup ever came up with. It is the most incredible self-inflicted wound of all time. SI's Ross Gellinger. Every time that he escaped or, or just ran out of the pocket, man, you could just hear the like rumble from the crowd, and they were hanging on every single thing he did. And SI's Pat Forty. You put the game in the hands of Diamante Trainum, who did used to play running back at Arizona State, but then transferred and became a linebacker and had one carry on the year. And all of a sudden, he's the offense in the third quarter against Michigan? Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. I welcome to the pod rivalry week overreaction. What overreaction? I drove out of Columbus last night listening to 97.1. Uh, talk radio down there with caller after caller firing Ryan Day. <laughs> 45 and 5. Fire Ryan Day now. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, slightly unhinged in Columbus. I believe the city's still standing. I don't know. I got out of there. That's just like go. Like I was like grabbing the last chopper out of town. Like it's, I don't know what's going to happen. So we're going to talk Ohio State, Michigan. Pat and I were there. We're going to talk Notre Dame and USC. Ross was there. Uh, we're going to talk about Clemson spitting the bit and LSU uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff that went down. Incredible. But I feel like we need to start with the playoff ranking because that is what matters. Yep. We're going to talk coaching. We may get a little coaching in, but we're probably going to table some of this until Tuesday on the coaching. Sorry, Matt ruled to Nebraska. Isn't that interesting? Matt's a nice guy, and Nebraska's a nice place, but it's really nice. That's about it. Anyway, the rankings, and I have an opinion. All right. I have Uh an argument. Uh Uh-oh. I have an intellectual argument. I know that is very dangerous to bring up intellectual (laughs) when discussing college football. Really dangerous to bring up intellectual in discussing you. So I would win this argument. Every time, if I stood in front of a judge, if I stood in front of the committee, I would win this argument. Well, okay. I believe that we the will playoff win. field sh- should be set. I believe that we will tie zero zero. 
I believe the playoff field should be set. Done. Right now. Right, right now. now. I believe that the committee will come out on Tuesday night and rank Georgia 1, Michigan 2, TCU 3, USC 4. Now, we will, we could, we'll argue this later. Should Michigan be number 1? Actually, you have a pretty good case to be number yeah. 1 in Georgia 2, but that's not yeah. the point. Doesn't matter. Those are the four teams. After 12 weeks of this season, those are the four best teams. Those are the four teams that have proven themselves. Three unbeatens and one team that lost by one on the road to Utah, their number, their number four. I believe that will be the rankings. Now, if Ohio State is four and USC is five, then we'll have a different argument. But I think that's going to be the top four. Do you all agree that'll be the top four? Yeah. Yep, in that order. I, I still think Georgia stays number one. Michigan two, TCU three, yeah, yeah, USC yep. four. Same here, yeah. Like Michigan's number really best win, Ohio State, is better than Georgia's best win, Tennessee. Maybe. Georgia's se- the d- second best win, Penn State is better than Georgia's second best win, Oregon. That's the argument, but what, it's a, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Not really that important because you don't get that big of an advantage. But that that's a different debate. That's not really an important. These are the four teams after 12 weeks. You shut it down. There is a 13th week here. But that 13th week only applies to those four teams. They will be playing teams that do not have an argument to get in. Purdue, Kansas State. It's Oregon, right? Oregon's going to get another. No, no, Utah. Utah. Utah Utah again. Utah part two. I couldn't stay up late enough for all that. Utah (laughs) part two and LSU, which blew their chance. The only two other contenders are um, Ohio State and Alabama. They're going to go 5-6 in some order. Those two teams do not play this week. You cannot intellectually say after 12 weeks that USC is better than Ohio State and then say, but we're going to make USC and only USC in this argument, clear a 13th hurdle where Ohio State doesn't have to do anything. Ohio State, by not winning their division, gets a bye. Alabama gets a bye. You cannot punish the 13th result against a team that isn't playing a 13th game. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Would yeah. you agree with it? Yeah. Uh, yeah I don't know I if mean, I agree yeah. with it, but I, I, it I makes sense. It's a good argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is after 12. There's two one loss teams. Like first, Georgia can lose. They're in. Michigan can lose. They're in. TCU loses. They should be in. I don't care if it's the big 12. Mm -hmm. They've got a better strength of record. All all that stuff. USC could lose and have two losses. Say, well, they got two losses. Ohio State only has one. Ohio State didn't have to play as many games. Now, if Ohio State was playing a 13th game, then yes what USC has to do counts or if USC was trying to jump a team that only had to play 12, let's say Ohio state is four and USC is five. Then yes, the 13th game counts. You should get the advantage of getting a 13th data point, but you should never be punished for the 13th data point. So if after 12 weeks, this is our field, it should be the exact same after the 13th week, shut it down. Boo Corrigan should come out on Tuesday and say, it's over. We're playing for seeding. 
I'm sure that's. I'm sure he'll do that. I'm sure he'll do that. Interesting premise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't watch. Yes. Yeah, turn right. off your. Not turn the off the tube. Which, by the way, for at least a decade, maybe longer. I have been arguing against the very existence of conference championship. Well, games. it's a waste of time. It yeah. is a waste of time. It's usually a double jeopardy situation for your best team, and that is the case for all of them that are in the playoff right now. You know, they, they don't need to go prove anything in this game. So to your point, Dan, I, I actually agree with you there that, you know, USC shouldn't have to prove it's the best team in the Pac-12. Although that, that one, now they did lose head-to-head with Utah. This is now they've, they're playing yeah. Utah again. So that, there's a little more. Uh, you can decide who wins the, the Pac-12 that way. You can decide Utah is the best team in the Pac-12. They, they win the championship. But Ohio State didn't win their championship either. Right. So it, it, it at the end of the day, this is a USC versus Ohio State argument. If USC has should not have to clear an a- extra hurdle, you cannot luck. You cannot just say, hey, good, good, lucky you, Buckeyes, you lost and you don't have to do something. So, no, I, I mean, look, that I. I am not uh, as appalled by your argument as I expect it to be. So that that's okay. good. <laughs> no, it makes a lot of there's there's it makes a lot of sense. It does. And and you know people want to bring yep. in Alabama. I will say you know, too. Oh, bam, bam, yeah. same way. Now, here's the problem with the committee. And we've said this many times. The committee's full of a bunch of smart people. The television show is the dumbest creation this playoff setup ever came up with. Mhm. It is the most incredible self-inflicted wound of all time. It is the Ari Fleischer special of let's take a good thing and screw it up. <laughs> they say they're promoting the game. The only people who pay attention to the weekly rankings are people like us and people who listen to our podcast who are so obsessed with the sport. Yeah. You don't need to promote it to them. Right. The general fan doesn't even know. Like, I have general sports fans that are texting me last night, like, who's in the playoff? How many teams in this? <laughs> Aren't they going to make it bigger? Right? They don't know. Yeah. They're just watching yeah. Notre Dame, USC on TV and like, this Caleb Williams guy, right? Okay, yeah. good. We right. want these people to watch. But you're not promoting the sport at all. You're promoting to the people who are already promoted to. Yet, by doing it, you allow your committee to look like idiots. And you undermine faith in the entire process. Because they have to vote along the way. There's a reason the Supreme Court gets all fired up if a if a the draft of an opinion comes out early. Yeah. It undermines the credibility of the institution. Now, clearly, the college football playoff committee's credibility is far more important than the Supreme Court, so we should take it much more seriously. <laughs> but the committee we know is just makes crap up because we watch for five weeks and Boo Corrigan, who's a good, smart guy, has to come out and explain stuff. Doesn't make any sense because the, the crap he said the week before doesn't jive with this week. So that's why you don't do this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, no, it's dumb true. to do it. Get rid of the show. It was a horrible idea and you've damaged your product because of this dumb show. Mm-hmm. But they're going to keep doing it. Sure. Ad revenue. So, man. We well, did you see the viewership? I mean, what, like uh, one one of the viewerships was was it two and a half million viewers, and in, in one of them, which was like yeah, double yeah. the basketball game that came on after it or something. You know, it's, it's amazing. It was higher than the, the Champions Classic games, which were big time matchups <laughs> of marquee teams before I and know. after. It was t- know, Kentucky, Michigan. Do State we need and more Duke ad Kansas. revenue for ESPN? 
I what don't. It's I, you know, I sure you're killing. I, 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 people do watch. People watch. I'm telling you why ESPN wants the show. Yeah, I know. I know. Anyway, this is where you're at. Okay, so three times in the history of the college football playoff, we have had a 12-win team get in. Well, there was the Notre Dame was undefeated, and they're kind of a, a they're the outlier, right? right? They don't have the opportunity. But three times we had a, I'm sorry, an 11 and one team get in to the playoff without even playing in their championship game. Okay. Yep. 2015 was Oklahoma. They did not have a Big 12 championship game there. So they're like mm-hmm. the Notre Dame example. 2016 was 11 and one Ohio State. Penn State actually won the division because they beat the Buckeyes head to head and then went on and they actually won the Big Ten. However, Penn State's two losses were in the first 12 games. It wasn't in the 13th game. Oklahoma also had two losses that year and didn't get in over one loss, Ohio State. But they also had their two losses during the regular season. So the first 12 games mattered. They then lost. uh, They also lost head to head to Ohio State. So Ohio State got in without doing this. The only other time was 17. Alabama got in because Wisconsin lost the Big Ten championship game. Wisconsin was fourth. They were 12-0 after 12 weeks. They were fourth. Alabama was fifth. Alabama had been number one, dropped to five after getting beat by two touchdowns to Auburn. Ohio State, uh, and Then Wisconsin lost to Ohio State in the Big Ten title game and dropped out, and Bama got in sort of like a backdoor, backdoor cover there. They slipped in. And just as a warning, if you're on a, uh, if you're going to look this up, you're on a, a work computer, do not type in backdoor Bama. <laughs> that, 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 will, that, will, that will fly them. You get flagged. Uh, just take my word for it. Just take my word for it. This happened. <laughs> I was like, should I tell that joke? <laughs> We're taping it at anyway. 56 a.m. Sunday, man, you know. Whatever comes out of your mouth, just 5.56 local time. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. for Ross in Los Angeles. It's rivalry week, baby. Let it ride. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) This will be my last podcast on the show. No, they did it. They did. They did the Badgers. They did the Badgers wrong. So that's my thing. These are the four. They're going to argue it. Oh, you can't have two losses. But to me, intellectually, you can't do this to USC. And they're going to do it. But they can't. Yeah. No, I, I mean, again, I, I, I like your argument. I do. I, you know, I think that the one thing you look at is probably strength of conference, strength of, uh, of division or whatever. And you could say, well, if USC had played in the big 10, they might've had a worse record or, uh, how do you know? You know, well, you don't, Would that's they? the thing you don't. You don't. I'm just, you know, thinking of that's their uh, problem. They'll come up with stuff and they go, right. Oh, I'm waiting to see something from there. Like what? (laughs) And let's just move on to this game. But what the hell did you see from Ohio State yesterday? Their defense was terrible. Their offense was terrible. Their coaching was terrible. They lost at home to a team that was missing its best player. This wasn't like, well, the D, you know, if the defense is a little better, they would have beat Michigan. No, they were horrible and everything. Yeah. No, they were, I mean, that was a very, very bad performance. Yep. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Pat, we, we're at half. I'll just get to the Ohio State Michigan. And it's 2017 Ohio State. And Michigan is in this game through a couple long 
passes where they Ohio State is not they didn't believe in the the, the position of safety. Somewhere Ed Reed is weeping. <laughs> what about me? Yeah. Troy Palomalu's like what? <laughs> guys ever heard of me? <laughs> and uh we go i go i feel good as i picked ohio state and everyone else picks michigan and pat says to me yeah ohio state's got michigan's got to make like eight adjustments they're not they, they got 10 or 11 yards rushing they're not getting a pass rush all this stuff and ohio state's just got to make one adjustment put a safety in there stop doing <laughs> zero blitz yeah and we both agree, and then Michigan comes out and beats them in the second half, twenty-eight to three, and totally emasculates them. And Ryan Day plays scared, and the Buckeyes play stupid, and the whole thing is a disaster. It just collapses, and and Jim Harbaugh stitches a clown suit for Brutus Buckeye, and <laughs> half of Ohio Stadium's gone by the by the last three minutes of the game. Yeah. What the hell happened, Pat? <laughs> it was incredible. I mean, it really was. And yeah, we were sitting about four seats apart or something. And like for the first, I don't know, quarter and a half or whatever the length of time was, it was like Michigan was barely avoiding getting run out of the stadium. You know, Ohio State wouldn't finish drives or would make a dumb mistake or whatever. And then Michigan hits a, you know, the, 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 Touchdown to Cornelius Johnson. He shakes the tackle and he's gone because, again, there's no safety help. But it's like, boy, how is Michigan really hanging around in this game? And then all of a sudden, the second half was just like, Michigan was just so much better. Like, at everything. And, it, you know, they scored, I think they scored their first possession the second half, right? And it was like, Ohio State just got scared and nervous and tense after that. I mean, they turtled, I thought, big time, starting with Ryan Day. Play calling. After the touchdown, yep. they get to fourth and four, I believe, on the on Michigan side of the field, and he punts. Yep. With, with that offense. <laughs> and then I think it was the possession after that where they get to midfield, and they run three straight plays with their converted linebacker running back. I mean, you got Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Egbuka, C.J. Stroud. You got all these receivers, and you put the game in the hands of Diamante Trainum, who did used to play running back at Arizona State, but then transferred and became a linebacker and had one carry on the year. And all of a sudden, he's the offense in the third quarter against Michigan? Like, what the hell are you doing? I was just flabbergasted at some of the decisions that Ryan Day was making there. They punted from the Michigan 48, well, the Michigan 43, and then I think they got a, a, a penalty, and they punted from their own 49 on back-to-back -back possessions. Yeah. As you said, mm. with that those weapons. I mean, it's just astounding. Like, they were so scared all of a sudden. I mean, just bizarre to me I, I i was so flummoxed like they had all these advantages and just did not use them yeah i i was just stunned every time i i looked up to see somebody wide open downfield i thought jj mccarthy's comments after the game was were interesting uh, they were kind of obvious but uh you know he was he was talking about how they knew that ohio state 
was going to focus defensively on stopping the run. That's what they do well, and they kind of knew that going in, and part of the plan was, hey, if, if they're going to do that, we're going to go deep, and um, boy, did they, and it, it played right into their hand. It, it was it was really impressive, and he, and he put some of those balls right on the money. God, yeah, I was just... Of all the crazy things that happened on Saturday, and there was quite a bit, LSU falling and Clemson falling, God, that was the biggest surprise. I'm still just stunned that that unfolded the way it did. Yeah, I, I found the spot here in the play-by-play. The, 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 to me, the okay. single play where I was like, oh, my God, Ohio State is completely losing it, is when they had Michigan backed up and Michigan – hit a bad punt, 33 yards. They fair catch it at the Michigan 48. It's like, I mean, garden spot territory. Let it rip with your great quarterback and everything else. In the first play, C.J. Stout drops back, and they're going to throw, actually, to Diamante train him again. But blatant hold in the middle. And then, at the end of the play, this ridiculous unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on G. Scott, backup tight end, like, he's pushing an, a Michigan defensive back. They're three yards out of bounds, and he just headbutts him. And it's like, what are you guys doing? They got a tw- they got 25 yards of penalties on one play, and after that, they were really, like, never very composed or, or, or played at, at a high level again for the rest of the game. It's just like, they just were so, like, they just shrank in the moment, I thought. I, I, I thought that, that they coached scared. Then they played scared. They have all this talent. Uh, I, I don't. I mean, I don't know how you just don't find ways to get the ball to Harrison. We're going to go back and sit there and say, "Oh, it's fourth and four. We didn't go for it." You had top ten draft pick at quarterback, top ten draft pick at wide receiver, and there's no pass rush. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Michigan was not getting home. That was the other thing. Not only did you not have Blake Corum in any meaningful way, but Michigan didn't have their top. Uh, pass rusher Mike Morris seven yep. and a half sacks on the season didn't play a down yep. so I mean like Michigan was badly handcuffed in this game and still absolutely had their way with them well to me the the I mean look maybe they slide back into this thing but to me this is just the I mean this is devastating for Ryan Day for all the joking about you're not going to fire Ryan Day nor should they but I mean, this is just absolutely devastating. They spent a year talking about being tougher and smarter and all those things and not letting them lose again. And they lost again worse. Yeah. You can't sit there and go, ah, it's snowed. And look, Michigan's got, you know, Ojabu and, and Hutchinson and all these guys. And well, what are we going to do? You spent $1.9 million on a defensive coordinator and you got lit up for 45 points. Mm-hmm. Michigan scored from 45 yards, 69 yards, 75 yards, 75 yards, and 85 yards. It's unbelievable. After this the was- game, someone asked Donovan Edwards, what was it like when you break through and you got a long touchdown run at Ohio State? And he goes, which one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Damn it, I forgot to put that in my story. Oh, that quote. Yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, then this was one of the storylines coming into the game is that Michigan couldn't find any big plays on offense. Yeah. And then, well, all they needed to do was to see a team that apparently didn't 
believe in play, having anybody uh, deep at safety. This is a broader probably conversation, but man, doesn't it uh, like just the last couple of years at Michigan feels to me like it's, it's a, uh, it's an example of, of patience and patience paying off with Jim Harbaugh. Right. It's, it's, you know, it's uh, year eight, right. I think it's year eight uh, for him at, at Michigan mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you'd have found a lot of people, especially after the 2019 or 2020 season, that, uh, hey, wanted a change. And obviously, you know, he looked to the NFL. I think that's been made pretty clear. But, you know, sometimes it just takes a time, a lot of time. And we, we've seen that we don't, you know, coaches don't get a lot of time anymore. And they probably should should get more in a lot of ways. We, we've seen the trigger pulled a little too quickly. And this just an example, I think, of of patience. I mean, year year seven, seven and eight now are his best two years, and uh, it's it, it's been an impressive build that kind of slumped back down, you know, in 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 uh, right in the middle of his tenure. But it's certainly going back up. I mean, sometimes coaching changes not the way to fix things. Sometimes more time is. Since he was nearly fired and took a pay cut, he's twenty four and two. <laughs> Michigan's good. 24 and 2. Think it added some motivation for him? Looked like uh, a lame so. duck, and now they are absolutely rolling. As bad as this was for Ryan Day, as miserable as the next, at least this offseason is for Ryan Day, unless the committee decides to punish USC for playing a 13th game and USC loses. And and Ohio State rallies and wins this thing. It's unbelievable for Jim Harbaugh. I mean, they he is he this is one of the best coached college football games I've ever seen. The mm-hmm. adjustments, his, he, he knew all he had to do is lob the ball over the line and they found ways to do it. Whether <laughs> it was getting McCarthy, who he has believed in to handle those, these blitzes, whether it's running Colston Loveland, their, their freshman tight end, just a kind of a wheel route. It wasn't really a wheel route, but just gunning down uh, the fake yep. pass. The halfback pass he threw, even though it was supposed to be Blake Corum who's throwing it, and he's not even yeah. playing. Yeah. Um, the patience to keep running. He said, I asked after, like, how do you, what happened with the running? He said, the run game wears you down. Yep. And and it's like, eventually, you stack that line and you put nobody back there to guard against anything. And eventually, someone with the talent of Donovan Edwards is going to find a crease. And when he found the crease, it's gone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got beat out of 75 and 85-yard touchdown runs on back-to-back possession. Nobody from Ohio State ever stepped up and did anything. That That's also disappointing. Right. Like C.J. Stroud, let's go. Rally. Like, we've watched Bryce Young, like, you know. Yeah. From the bootstraps, drag a team. And instead, mm-hmm. it was like Ohio State just quit. It was just there wasn't. You know, yeah. it just wasn't there. I don't know if they quit. I don't want to say that about those guys. I know they played hard and it was emotional after, but it's like, it just wasn't there. The Michigan set, kids said they felt them break their will. They weren't coming out of their, out of their firing off at the line of scrimmage the same way. It just was, I think they were mad. You know, maybe they're mad at Ryan Day. It was just a bloodbath at the end of that game. Yeah, they were just, they, they, they're what, they didn't show a great deal of resilience there. That's for sure. I mean, when when it when it went bad, they folded. That's for sure. But 
I do. Like I, I, I've killed Ohio State plenty, but I do want to reiterate what you said. I mean, I, I thought Jim, this was Jim Harbaugh's masterpiece game at Michigan because not only did they win as a significant underdog and dominate, but the the elements of 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 how they did it were just uh, very much validated some decisions that he made. First of all, yes, the faith in JJ McCarthy to to bench a starter who took you to the playoff and and play him over. Uh, Cade McNamara, the belief that your roster is deep enough that you can withstand some major injuries and still play the way you want to play and not just throw everything out and say, no, Donovan Edwards, got a cast on your hand. Get in there and do it. And then Kalel Mullins, I believe it was, or Mullins, the, uh, the <laughs> well, we don't have Blake Corm to throw the pop pass off the handoff. We'll just have Mullins do it. Why not? And then he throws it for a 15-yard gain on a first down for th- on third and short. So, Kid never no, plays in the middle of Ohio State. Never, I mean, never plays. No. They said no. they auditioned who would throw the pass this week at practice, and he was the yeah. best one. Yeah. I mean, so. Like, yeah, a lot of faith in his team. You can tell that team just believes in it. That was a team, and there was a collection of talent. Yep. that's And the team won that game. So, mm-hmm. And Michigan's got a ton of good football players. They just don't have a ton of great ones, but they got a ton of really, really good ones, man. Right, right. And they, yeah, they are a well-put-together team that believes in what they're doing. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, L.A., what was the scene out there, Ross? I, I do not know how Caleb Williams doesn't win the Heisman in only mm. because I don't know who else would be, even be the candidate. Yeah. I mean, Corum right. didn't play. Stroud didn't look good. Uh, you know, Hen- Hen- Hooker's hurt. You know, I, I don't even know what his competition is at this point. Caleb Williams, absolutely unbelievable in that game. What was the mood at at, uh, at SC and how confident are they there in the playoff? Yeah, the uh, I'll start with the, just the atmosphere. It, you know, obviously they – they take a lot of flack out here for sometimes not uh, always caring about uh, football and, and coming to the game and being loud. They they were they were loud. There was more than 72,000 on hand. It was rocking. Uh, the longtime former uh, sports information director at USC was at the game. He retired last year, Tim Tessalone, and I asked him about the atmosphere in legend. Yeah, how we, how we could compare it. Like when's the last time it was like that? Because in the Post game news conference, Lincoln Riley mentioned that he had, he had that the the Coliseum atmosphere that night reminded him of when he was a child watching USC games. So Tim said that it was the best environment for a game that he can remember since the Pete Carroll days. He said, you know, Lincoln Riley's kind of bringing back that vibe in not just Lincoln, but obviously. Caleb Williams. Uh, I don't. I don't think there's there's really any doubt he's going to win the Heisman, barring some in, you know insanely awful performance next week uh, in the Pac-12 championship game. I, I don't see how he he doesn't win. And they are they are trying too. The cam- the campaign off the field and on the field is there. They started the Heisman campaign. USC did 
on Monday with some videos and such. And and then on the field, you know, they they had him punt twice. He punted a season long fifty eight yarder. <laughs> yeah. He 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 pinned uh, Notre Dame deep at the ten on a pooch in a pooch punt. And then they had him go out for a pass and a quarterback throwback, and he actually committed a offensive pass interference by kind of <laughs> kicking up his leg in the air, which probably prevented an interception and also got himself hit in the you know what's. Uh, actually, he was in a little <laughs> bit of pain, you could tell. But really impressive. Just from a strictly from just watching in the press box and watching him run around in a, the escapability, strictly from the escapability. I mean, he must have escaped five to seven sacks in probably 12 to 15 defenders. Uh, it was stunning the way he can move his feet. He feels he has a kind of the innate ability that really great quarterbacks do of feeling the pressure. And then what makes him, I think, different than other like mobile quarterbacks is he is always looking downfield. He wants to throw it. And a lot of times he does. He rolls out, he scampers around, and and he throws it uh, while on the run 12 seconds into a play. It was it was a, an awesome atmosphere. It was a good game and, and just a, a great performance by him. And, yeah, I, I see him taking some – Taking home some hardware in a couple weeks. He to me is the this is the perfect. He's the perfect player for USC at this moment it, it, overall. But USC does it is hard to get people in LA to go to the game. This is a lot to do, and it's LA. But if you have a guy who in, in an offense that is exciting, he is a star. He is. You got to see this. That's what he did. That's what was so great about those Leinart and Bush teams was like, oh, my God, did you see what Reggie Bush just did? I got to yeah. go to the game. And that, to me, is yeah. like you could not have started a tenure at, at USC better than Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. It's like you look at if you're just sort of a casual fan, college football fan or fan of L.A. teams out there, they'll get everyone will get into a winner. And you're like, we got this young coach. We got this unbelievable player. Let's go. And this is exciting. So kind of dream season for USC in not just that their record, but how they're, they're not doing it running the, you know, the wing T here. Yeah. And the they're crowd with like the pyrotechnics, the, the crowd, what I found really kind of fascinating, too, is, man, it was just like every time that he escaped or or just ran out of the pocket Man, you could just you could fear you could hear the like rumble from the crowd, and they were hanging on every single thing he did. I mean, they they came to that game to see their star, and it was really cool. And then afterward, the post game scene was pretty wild. He stayed on the field for thirty minutes. It seemed like uh, on the field, kind of blowing kisses to the crowd. He rang the victory bell. He got interviewed a few times. Uh, a true a true celebrity uh, here in in Hollywood. Yeah, I I, I, I he's dazzling he's, and he's just the perfect fit with Lincoln Riley who's now going to have his third Heisman winning quarterback um, Unbelievable. and he's got some things in common with Kyler Murray and with Baker Mayfield in terms of like I mean he is a freelance king he just can make stuff happen on the fly and I did I tweeted this somewhat facetiously but it's, I, I almost believe it that like sometimes I think he makes plays harder than he has to just because to see what happens. <laughs> like, you know, I, I know I can, like, 
there's an alley there. I can scramble for seven yards here. Or I got a guy open in the flat over here for 10 yards. But if I backpedal and then reverse pivot and then run over to the left and then come back to the right and throw across my body for 20 yards, wouldn't that be cool? Okay, I'll do it. I mean, he's just, he's got that kind of verve and confidence. Like, you know, whatever. I'll just, <laughs> I'm having fun out here and I'm just going to make stuff happen because I can. He's got some Mahomes in him. I'm not saying yeah. he's going to be Patrick Mahomes, but I will say the 2024 draft, first pick Caleb Williams, second pick Drake May. Good yeah. Congratulations to those two teams. Yeah, we don't need Mel Kuyper for this one. No, <laughs> we do not. We do not need, you know, eight analysts at Pro Day breaking down the mechanics. Although, you know? hey, somebody decided I don't know, average number of years ago to take Mitch Trubisky over uh, Deshaun Watson. And I was like, wait, did anyone watch ACC football this year? I, who? What? Yeah. Uh, sure so did. you never know. Someone will screw it up. There's always the Bears yeah. out there. How about this night for Oklahoma fan? <laughs> Oklahoma loses to Texas Tech in overtime after a mixed field goal to drop to six and six. Out in L.A., Caleb Williams is winning the Heisman, and Lincoln Riley's got a team headed to the playoff, perhaps. Yeah. You got to go through that misery. It's as bad as it and gets. Earlier in the day, your old quarterback, who you booed out of town, Spencer Rattler, completes the double dip of beating Tennessee and ending their playoff chances, and Clemson and their playoff chances. And Spencer looked pretty dang good. He had a couple of picks, but two TDs, 360. He, he has some Mahomes in him. Sorry, Norman. It's it's not going your way. It's gone your way a lot in college football. It has. But, but boy, this not is right not now. your time. I think the Rattler one's like the cherry, like the, the shin kick after you've already been knocked down. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. that? Wait, that guy's now beating Clemson? Oh, jeez. <laughs> we didn't even, like, at least we knew Caleb was good. Yeah. We right. knew that was going to happen. But what happened? What is this? Yeah, no, they were good riddance with Spencer Rattler. They did boo him out of town. What happened at Clemson? Other than DJ, Ungole, mm. eight for 29 for 99 yards. Mm. Oh, Transfer portal, baby. It, yeah. Eight for 29. Oh, Oof. my goodness. I didn't that know is brutal. Was that bad. That, I mean, you know. That's an I, angry I, fan base. They are yeah. angry at William Christopher. They're going to start saying Dabo the way I say Dabo. I told I was the pioneer on this. No Dabo. No Dabo. No. They are mad because why? what are you doing? Why are we sticking with this? You just lost to South Carolina and blew your chances at, at a playoff argument. Now, see, they would have had an argument because if they're playing the 13th game, then it's a fair debate if they have to play a 13th game and USC has to play a 13th game. But now their 13th game doesn't matter. No, no, it doesn't matter at all. And that's, you know, that, that, that I, I remember I said a couple of weeks ago, I thought the dynasties were dead at Alabama and at Clemson. Alabama still may make the playoff, but the Clemson thing is, it's reached that point. I, I, I am thankful that South Carolina at least spared us from seeing this Clemson team in the playoff because they are not good. It's just they're they're nowhere, and I know I'm probably somewhat comparing them to their old standard. But even compared to the rest of college football, they're nothing special. You know they they labored to beat Wake Forest. 
They were in a close game with North Carolina State. They were in a close game with Florida State. They darn near got beat by Syracuse. They got routed by Notre Dame. This is not the Clemson of the glory days. Things have gone off kilter there, and I don't know what it's going to take to get them back. What? Uh, what if they? Yeah, they need a quarterback to start with, right? Uh, you know, yeah. if they have a, yeah. a solid quarterback, we're, we're probably talking talking about them in the in the playoff. So I mean, that's a start. Well, they have a quarterback. Kate Kate Klubnick is a good quarterback. That's the one yeah. they want. Yeah. I mean, he didn't play a lot, but that's their savior. He's right there, and they've got. They've got more coming in, right? They got the kid from Alabama coming yeah. in as a recruit. Yeah. But that's what they wanted. They wanted Cade Klubnick to play as DJ's not getting it done. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, he he's, I think he only threw 22 passes this year. But, you know, my guess is, is, is I don't know what will happen this week. Will they play Cade in the, in the ACC championship game? Or do you wait, or at least the bowl game, it's the Cade Klubnik show because DJ, I would guess, it's the transfer portal and heads back out west somewhere. Yeah. And yeah. we the see other if he, thing, he rebounds. I don't know, but. I mean, Clemson gave up 360 passing yards. Mm. That is that well, is not a Clemson number. And no. 31 points. Well, Rattler was making plays. Yeah. Yeah. How big of a season did Shane Beamer have? My yeah. goodness. Oh, my goodness. Unbelievable. Huge. Yeah. Yeah, back to back years now. That, I mean, he's really that uh, was big uh, time. Yeah, it's 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 impressive. You had to go to their place and and win a rivalry game. Well, they had one in seven years or something, six or seven years. They had one. It's just uh, impressive run. I, I didn't really, you know, he was. Uh, I remember when South Carolina hired him. There was certainly a, a lot of doubt in that he could do it. He'd never been a head coach. He'd never really been a you know like an offensive defensive coordinator either. Uh, he, he had never been in the mix. He was a special teams coordinator. Special teams, right? Yeah. He had uh, he had been in the that mix with it. some other jobs. I know that Mississippi State interviewed him, maybe when they hired Joe Moorhead and or Mike Leach. I, I don't exactly remember, but he, his name was kind of in circles. He was wanting a, a job, you know, in the SEC, and I think in a lot of ways, people thought that he didn't deserve one. There were a lot of coaches that win. I remember talking to him about this when he was hired didn't think he should have been hired and thought he was only hired because of his last name. And I remember him getting pretty hot about that at SEC Media Days this past summer and uh, giving me a pretty striking comment about those coaches who said those things. And and here we are, and the guy is uh, going to take South Carolina to what? Did he win seven last year, I feel like, in his first year? And now he's at eight and four. Uh, what a they were seven and six, I believe. They won and their the Mayo Bowl. Seven six. Yeah, they, yeah they, and- he got the Mayo dump. Yeah, Got the Mayo that's right. dump. That's right. So it's been impressive. And then it really now has. they're what eight and four this year. So mm-hmm. yeah. Well, here's the thing: they've got he can easily end with a top fifteen recruiting class, and they are in on Nicholas Harbor, who's an uh, incredible edge rusher that everyone in the country wants out of DC, and they may get him. He's a top fifteen player and bring that kind of that kind of star power they haven't got at South Carolina since since Spurrier was there. And it's just a ton of momentum. Like they can finish really strong in recruiting and end up, you know, 10th or something like that, which is just that it's a program 100% on the move. Pat, you mentioned something and, and I, we should have discussed this in the, in the playoff ranking debate. Okay. But who would you put five, Ohio State or Alabama? I would put Ohio State. I think that their win over Penn State is better than anything uh, Alabama has. You know, 
Alabama's schedule just doesn't really resonate very much at this point. You know, I mean, they they the barely not beat pan Texas. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Barely beat Texas. Texas is not very good. We know that. Barely beat AM. AM is a tire fire. The only team going into this week that is ranked that well, they beat Texas <laughs> to be two ranked teams, Texas and Mississippi. Mississippi's gonna fall out of the rankings this next week. I guess Texas will barely stay in. They were number twenty four. Well, they won. I mean, otherwise, they beat Utah State, Louisiana Monroe, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, which maybe go into the rankings, Austin P, and the worst Auburn team in a decade. There's just not a lot of meat on the bone. I, w- I would put Ohio State ahead of them. Yeah, I think they, at the end of the season, they're going to have one team that they beat who's in the top 25, probably, right? Mississippi State, maybe? No, is Texas that, oh, Texas, Texas goes top 20. That's right. Texas they, is going to they, yeah. they won against Baylor. That's right. That's right. So, but so, you you so beat them by one and they lost their QB. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're going to have right. You're going to have one Alabama's top argument win. is this. Alabama's argument is we lost twice on, on the, the road, last play close. of the game, once in overtime. Right. Oh, on the road at LSU. Right. And on a last second field goal against Tennessee. Yeah. And we have a really, really good offense. And I don't know why that matters, but this is the committee. This is the problem. <laughs> you try to apply like the standards of the committee, right? Right. And then there are no standards. That's why my 12 point thing is like, well, this is supposed to be your standard, but eh, a couple of years ago, we didn't care. Uh, <laughs> so what do, we do? what do we do? And Ohio, and they, they point to Ohio State and say they were absolute trash in the second against Michigan. You know, like I said, their defense was terrible. Their offense was terrible. They didn't have any fight in them. The coaching was terrible. You could argue Alabama's coaching was terrible in the last couple minutes of that Tennessee game, too. And all Ohio State has is a win over Penn State and a win over a 14-4-loss Notre Dame team, which I would say Notre Dame probably stays in the top 25. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, they will. I don't think they're dropping all the way from 15. But right, it's a, it's a Notre Dame team that, especially at that period of the year was losing to Marshall and stuff like that. Yeah. So there are, that's, that's Bama's argument why they should be fifth and Ohio state should be sixth. Again, whoever goes five or six, you can't flip them. Right. Cause they're not playing again. Right. Same reason why you yeah. can't move them up. Yeah. The hay is in the barn there. So, so where those two are ranked vis-a-vis each other could matter. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why the hay is in the barn for everybody. And you can't ask them to, to harvest more hay. <laughs> not fair it's just There's no more hay in the field do not go harvest i just don't i i don't care who's in this thing i'm just it yeah, doesn't no, make any sense and I, I know they don't they literally if i made this argument in the they'd be like well i never thought of that <laughs> well maybe you should have yeah but uh the eye test uh I, I didn't like their game control in the second quarter against arkansas okay not a complete all right that's case. it how about this yeah. all right other one last result lsu they had a way to play their way in, and they got the, they got punched in the pacemaker, baby. A and M from the grave, from the grave. The guy A and M players like we need more nil money. You see what we just did to LSU, baby. <laughs> what the hell was that, Brian Kelly? That was the that the Notre Dame fans are like, yeah, I seen this act. Oh, <laughs> he'll win you a lot of games, but. Uh, uh-huh. That second half, all of a sudden, A and M just starts torching them. Yeah, they cannot. They cannot cover deep. They cannot cover deep. And uh, man, so a, a couple of A and M's receivers made some 
incredible catches, and uh, LSU just was, couldn't cover him, cover him deep. And then they had trouble moving the ball, you know, which we've seen in spurts this year. We've seen LSU have trouble with its its passing game and, and its running game. Honestly, I mean, Jane Daniels had a has had to do it all this year on the ground and in, in through the air. He had to do it all last year. I mean, he was the leading rusher at 84 yards and threw for 189, uh, completed 21 of 35, uh, so not anything snazzy. Uh, I think his longest completion was about 20 yards, and he only really had one of those. So they, they've there's been stints where they just they've had trouble moving the ball, and, yeah, credit the Aggies. They, they came to play, and he, I, I thought that this one would be – I didn't think LSU would lose, obviously. I I thought this one would be tough only because it, this is developing into a, a rivalry game. It's on the road. It's at night. And it was hard to see a lose like a sixth or whatever, seventh straight, however many they've lost in a row. Um, it was just hard to see that. But, uh, yeah, still a shocking result. And, and now uh, all the all the the talk of LSU maybe upsetting Georgia getting the playoff is is done. Yeah, I, uh, I, I do want to say, first of all, I mean, <laughs> kudos to A&M for showing up for the first time in mm-hmm. I don't know how long. This was the most points they scored in 53 weeks since they played Prairie View wow. in the second to last game last year. First time they've got more than 31. Mm-hmm. So nice job there. They got 38. But I'm going to say we need to practice safe hype on our edge rushers who have phenomenal games. I think I brought this up before, but maybe it's more that the pass protection was bad than the rusher is the next Lawrence Taylor. Mm. And I'm talking about Harold Perkins, the freshman for LSU. He's a very good player. He's had a very good season. But since he blew up Arkansas and we all went gaga over him, justifiably, but since then he's had zero sacks in the last two games. He had a total of one and a half tackles against uh, Texas A&M, one solo, one assist. The other guy that you know we all went crazy over was DJT Tuamolau from Ohio State when he single-handedly wrecked Penn State. Since then, four games, one sack, yeah. not much other impact. Dan, I don't know about you, I didn't even notice whether he was on the field against Michigan. He had one so, good play. He had a yeah. he had a big he had one good play in the backfield. I thought, but okay, yeah, it's he did why two- it's why defensive linemen struggle to win the Heisman. You you, yeah. you can't you can you can kill their stats. Yeah, you can game plan against them, right? Yeah. And then even if you're at, they're actually helping by drawing a double team, they don't get the numbers. Where you can't, right? Caleb Williams going to get the ball every time. So, yep, yeah, it's one of the problems. Pat, excellent lock of the week this week. Vanderbilt. They 56 points for Tennessee, zero for Vanderbilt. That was uh, yeah. Did, what was the spread? 57? Was it 55? What, and a, what, was what, it? what what was your lock of the week? Uh it, it came through. It was uh Illinois. Oh, yeah, at Illinois. All right, but what Illinois, was your Illinois pl- minus 14. They won 41 to 3. <laughs> so what was yeah. your what was your record this week? My, what I was your record went this week? You had Ohio three. State. You had Ole Miss. <laughs> no, no. I had Mississippi <laughs> State. I went three and three. And hold on here. Uh, Producer Sean, your tally on the rundown is wrong. You are cheating. What? what? You've got me tied with Ross. Ross went like two and four. Mm, I like that. I like I got to look at the rundown. I went three and three. I won on Mississippi State. I won on SC. And I won on Illinois. 
I lost on Ohio State. I lost on Oregon. We all did. And I lost on Clemson. Well, Ross went three and three as well here. I don't know. He had he South did. Carolina. He had South Carolina to cover. He had Michigan to, Michigan to cover. Uh, and then he had Arizona oh, he minus had four. They only won by three. Oh, that's correct. Yeah. You're correct, that Dan. Was my I will stand one. He went Dan two is, and four. Dan has taken over the Pete Thamel role of, yeah. oh, I'm ahead in the picks. Dan let me, let me watch everybody out. else's pick. Wow, that people he, are cheating. He wants They're this cheating. case of Milwaukee's best. <laughs> Three cases of Bush Light. It's going to be a Merry Christmas. Oh, God. All right. We've already given the Heisman to Caleb Williams. Let's give some small sample Heismans out to, to uh, everybody else. We don't give out one award at the end of the year. We give it out week to week. It's the Small Sample Heisman on the College Football Inquirer podcast. Anyone got a Heisman Trophy winner here? Yeah, I, I got one. And, and, uh, and I think it, he's gotten my small uh, sample. This is the second time probably this season he's got my small sample. But it's Michael Penix from Washington. I stayed up, stayed up and watched the end of that game. And God, this guy is just uh, – he's, he's averaging – Three almost 370 yards passing a game last night against a, a pretty good Washington State defense. One of the better ones in the nation. He had 485 for three touchdowns. If Washington had won, had beaten, you know, they, their two losses are UCLA and Arizona State. How they lost to Arizona State, I do not know. But but if they win that game, I God, I feel like we're you know we're talking about my, Michael Penix as as a as a uh, uh, in the Heisman discussion, but his numbers are incredible. So, uh, Washington, Kalen DeBoer, by the way, ten and two in his first year. What a turnaround! I think they were what four and seven or something like that last year. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was pretty bad. Uh, so, really, really impressive stuff from them and in uh, Michael Penix. Yeah, I think Penix will end up on some Heisman ballots, and he can, you can make the argument for it for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's been a great turnaround story for him, and yeah. Kalen DeBoer's record, like he was the coach at Sioux Falls in NAIA for a few years. He was 67-3 and three there. Mm. Then he went to Fresno. He went, you know, Power 5 assistant, and then to Fresno and now. He has won everywhere. He's kind of like that Lance Leipold guy where the deeper you look in the resume, the more impressive it is. I'm going to give my small sample Heisman to Devon Achain from Texas A&M. Look, that season's been a complete disaster but he has never stopped uh, playing hard and playing well for the Aggies, and he was at his absolute best in helping them beat LSU. 38 carries, 215 yards, two touchdowns. He was the offense for a large degree of that game, and it was nice to see, given his his contributions to the program for the last few years and for in a year when... Sometimes you wondered whether anybody was still trying. He try was trying very, very hard to the end. So congratulations, Devon. A chain, small sample Heisman. I am giving my small sample Heisman to Jordan Travis, quarterback at Florida State, 270 yards, passing, 83 rushing, three total TDs, and uh, the Seminoles defeat rival Florida, end up 9-3 and three on the season, and Mike Norvell's first two seasons uh, for, in his third season. I'm sorry, Mike Norvell's third season. They have grown. The program has grown. They have gotten better slowly. They beat Miami. They beat Florida. They're kind of the quiet program of Florida, which is unbelievable. The idea of the Seminoles are quiet about anything. But uh, 
really nice job by Jordan Travis and, the, and, and FSU this season. The, uh, we said this last week. The other programs are recruiting maybe a little bit better, but you wonder if at some point the kids down there start looking and saying, hey, uh, Norvell knows what he's doing. This team's really pretty good. So good season for, for Florida State, Mike Norvell, and great week for Jordan Travis. All right, we said plenty of mean things. Can anyone say something nice this week? Yes, I can do so. I want to say something nice uh, about a guy who actually stepped down late last night, early this morning, and did it fittingly for him the old school way. He stood at a podium and said, I'm done. That was David Shaw at Stanford. Classy, smart guy who had an incredible run there. He took what Jim Harbaugh handed him, which was a program in healthy shape. He made it even better for a while, but it was time. It was time to go four straight losing seasons. Actually, three out of four losing seasons. He was four and two in the COVID year, but uh, the others were three and nine, three and nine, four and eight. Uh, and that's after going 11 and two, 12 and two, 11 and three, eight and five, 12 and two, 10 and three, nine and five, nine and four to start his tenure there. Stanford, hard, hard place to coach. A lot of great things about it, but if you want to be a football coach in the modern era, a lot of difficulties with uh, NIL, with transfer portal collectives. They are not a place that fits real well into the modern landscape, and I think that that showed at the end of Shaw's tenure. But the school was certainly very well benefited by having him as the coach, represented him extremely well, and got him some great times. Took him to three Rose Bowls uh, and a Fiesta Bowl, so... Kudos to David Shaw on a great career. I'm not sure he's done. He's only 50 years old. He's probably got another job ahead of him somewhere, and he'll probably be very good at it, but positive influence on a lot of people at Stanford. Great, great guy, and he will be a a very smart but courageous AD will hire him. Yeah. I mean, you know what? He'd be a good AD. He might be a good AD. He might be a good uh, somebody yeah. in administration. Like I, he strikes me as somebody who would be a good administrator. But he also, I wonder if he would go to the NFL. There was always rumored for a while. What if there's something in the NFL yeah. for yep. him? I could, um, I could see him doing that for a while. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. My uh, my say something nice is is as well a coach. Mine uh, is a, while Shaw is leaving, maybe leaving college football. Uh, mine is it's just arrived on the scene in college football. Kane Womack down uh, near where I'm from in Mobile, Alabama, coaches South Alabama, kind of a somewhat new program that hasn't been around that long. And uh, they've, they're having their best season ever. They're 10 and two in his second year. Kane's the son of Dave Womack, long time kind of uh, assistant, defensive coordinator assistant, hopped around actually with, with Hugh Freeze at, at, uh, at Ole Miss. But, but Kane has just done an incredible job there. Five and seven last year, and ten and one this year, and they probably should be eleven and one. They really coughed it up at UCLA. They, they should have beaten UCLA. So keep your eye on Kane. I, it's too early. I think just in his second year, it's probably too early for him to get a job this cycle. But man, it would not be surprising if he's he's uh, the next the big name, one of the big names in in next year's coaching cycle. All right, I'm going to say something nice about the New Mexico State Aggies. Mm. And Coach Jerry Kill, who was last seen at, at at Minnesota, he retired due to some health concerns. They went up and trucked Liberty, who have their own coaching drama going on. 49-14, uh, Liberty absolutely quit because somebody might be quitting. <laughs> <laughs> 
and uh, dropped Liberty to eight and four. But New Mexico State is five and six in Jerry Kill's first season. Uh, they had a game against San Jose State canceled uh, due to a tragic event up at San Jose State. We'll see if they get a, a game. If not, someone should put them in a bowl. Like this, this team's got momentum. I know they're five and six, but it's not their fault they can get the twelfth game. But uh, like here, let me read through before this season the New Mexico State season win totals: two, one, two, three. There was seven. Their best season almost ever, twenty seventeen. Three, three. Two, two, one, four, two, three, three, four, zero. Like nobody wins in Las Cruces. First year, Jerry Kill comes in, inspired higher, five and six, absolutely crushed Liberty to walk off at perhaps their last game. Hopefully they get put in a bowl, put them in the New Mexico bowl or something. I don't know, whatever. Great, great season for you. We talk about a tough place to win. Doesn't get a whole lot tougher than being an independent in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Uh, so great job by the Aggie players for buying in. And uh, welcome back, Jerry Kill, who's an excellent, excellent coach uh, who just really has had uh, health issues. Uh, is about the only thing that's prevented him from uh, from continuing on. So uh, good great one. job there. Good point. Good point. That does lead me to one other topic I would like to broach very quickly here. You mentioned Hugh Freeze and Liberty absolutely spitting the bit against a outmanned opponent. Well, let's take a look at some other coaches who have been involved in coaching searches here in the last week or so. Lane Kiffin spit the bit. His team spit the bit against Arkansas and then lost the Egg Bowl. Two losses Mm. since his name started circulating at Auburn. Hugh Freeze, who could end up at Auburn, they had their disaster. Jamie Chadwell of Coastal Carolina, they'd had one loss on the season. His name's out there for a couple of jobs. What happens? Oh, they lost 47-7 to to James Madison and lost home field for the Sun Belt Championship. Kenny Dillingham going to be the new coach at Arizona State, offensive coordinator at Oregon. Oh, they blew a 31-7 lead and lost to Oregon State. So this is the, what the coaching cycle can do for your team. Enjoy. Was <laughs> someone hiring Jim Knowles? <laughs> no, I think Jim Knowles' team just... Joke. <laughs> somebody had somebody tweeted All me right. asking See, if, that's uh, what i like if, say something nice spins to say something yes mean. yes that's right if kenny dillingham uh, uh ahead, started Ryan. negotiating with uh arizona state in the in the second half of the game sure look yeah. like it yeah offense stopped. Uh, i do think that there is uh, some head coach ones you can you can lose your team real quick mm-hmm. i don't know about coordinator we want to reach on that, but that's all right. Say something mean is always interesting. <laughs> all right, we'll be back on Tuesday with more. We've got more. The coaching cycle is rolling quickly. Uh, we're going to have a ton. Keep your eyes open. You never know if there's going to be an emergency podcast coming. It's 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 that time of year. Uh, I'll scream at the committee on Tuesday because they're not going to follow my lead. I know it. Or they'll start. We can start then. Maybe I'll go on the. Uh, someone's got to ask Boo Corgan. Maybe I'll go on the call. They'll never let me get through the question. Uh, anyway, whatever. Keep listening. Share us on social media. Tell your friends about us. Awesome time. We appreciate everyone listening. Talk to you later. <laughs>